Let's turn to the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where we have further instruction and warning from Solomon that evil days come toward the end of life before death takes our bodies. And because of that fact, we ought to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. Because of that fact, we ought to live and enjoy everything God gives us leading up to it, because the days of enjoying it will be taken away. However, there's a gospel of the New Testament that tells us that even in the darkest of days of life in this world, there is the hope of light, immortal, eternal, in heaven above, where the Lamb is the light of all the place, and it's no longer the sun or the moon or the stars, but the Lord Jesus Christ Himself is the light of heaven. Amen. Let's start right in with the first word, because it's important to us. Remember. Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, the man of God may be perfect. And here is instruction to make us perfect, and it's to remember. We had the word remember in verse 8 of chapter 11, and that is to remember the days of darkness that are coming because all is vanity, and therefore the young man should make good use of his life while he's in his youth. 12.1 is going to tell us to remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days come, and you don't have the same vigor or ability, powers, to give Him the best of your life. It is a foolish and profane person that says to themselves, well, when I'm older, I'll get serious about serving the Lord. Why do you want to give Him your leftovers? Remember Him in your youth, when you're full of vigor and ability, strength of mind and body, to serve Him much more than when you're older. Let's read this first verse. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Human life under the sun eventually gets to a place where you say, I don't have any pleasure anymore in life. I'm just surviving, I'm barely alive, and I'll soon die. But before you get to that time, the wise man is telling you, what should you do with your life? Remember your Creator while you're young. Remember. Why does he say remember? Because there is a tendency in the enthusiasm and pleasures of youth to forget. God made you, and He made you for Himself. And both of those aspects ought to be remembered. God is, and God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Both of those parts of faith should be remembered. We have a tendency to get so caught up in pleasure, fun, activities, work, progress, careers, homes, children, families, marriage, and all the other things that steal time and, and attention and focus. We need to remember this warning right here. Remember, it's easy to forget or the word wouldn't be here. Remember now. Don't wait. There's a tendency to wait and to procrastinate in everything we do. And there's a tendency on the parts of people to procrastinate about correcting their lives before God. 
I will repent. I do want to do better. I will do better. No, remember now. Remember now, thy Creator. You are a creature. You are nothing but a creature. That's why you remember now thy Creator. God created you. You did not originate with your own thoughts. You did not originate by your own purpose. There is a higher and greater being that puts you into existence, and he, owes, he owns you, and you owe him all your attention and affection. Remember now thy Creator. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. But he's made all things for himself, meaning he's made you and me for himself. Therefore, he dictates the terms of our lives. He, <coughs> he wants us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He tells us to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, which we do already so well. He owns us. He can dictate how we live, how we get our pleasures, what we cannot do, what we should do. He can say all those things because He's our Creator. There is such a tendency to think that we are our own. And our world has degenerated now so far that it is taught as truth that men evolved out of nothing. And there is no higher being or Creator. And so man owes no being higher than themselves their obedience. So as long as they're pleasing themselves and as long as they're doing what they think is right and as long as they're doing what profits them, they think that they're fine. But the Bible says to remember now thy Creator. God created you and God created me from nothing for His own purpose and pleasure, for Himself. And so He owns us and He can control us and He can dictate the terms of our lives. And therefore, the zeal of youth and the enthusiasm of youth and the pleasure and fun of youth and the activities of youth, because of the freedom and liberties that a young person has, need to be restrained by remembering their Creator. What we have been taught in the last two verses of chapter 11 is to rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. But know thou that for all these things thou shalt be brought into judgment. Therefore, we want to put away evil from our flesh by remembering God every day. God made you, especially you young people. And I am addressing you young people because the Holy Spirit is addressing you young people with these words. God made you and you owe him every day. You owe him to to handle your money the way that he dictates. You owe him to handle your job the way he dictates. You owe him the honor that your parents deserve because he said so. All the different parts of your life, God created you and told you how to live. And so we have the words, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While you're rejoicing in your youth, while you're following your heart in your youth, while you're walking in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes, remember now thy creator. Every day, don't get wrapped up in your marriage. Don't get wrapped up in your job. Don't get wrapped up in your health, your exercise, your looks, or your clothing. Don't get wrapped up in your car. Get wrapped up in your creator. Remember your Creator. It is a terrible evil, and it shows the depravity of our human hearts that we can live a day without thinking about our Creator. When we're little creatures that owe Him everything. Remember now, thy Creator. In your youth, we don't want to give Him our leftovers. 
We want to use our vitality and our strength while it's at its best to give Him the most that we can give Him. And you need to do it now because your heart is deceitful, your friends are destructively foolish, and death comes. So you want to do it in your youth. Don't give God your leftovers. Don't give Him your weakness. Don't give Him your inability. Don't give Him your failing memory. Give Him your sharp memory. Give Him your great strength. Give Him your verbal abilities. Give Him what you have in the early days of your life. Here's the wise man, the preacher inspired by God, the son of David, giving us a lesson. You know, Solomon would also write in Proverbs chapter 8 about wisdom that we ought to seek her early. Because wisdom loves those that seek her early. And if you can't do it early in life, then try early in the day. Try early before anything else that you love in your life. But especially when you're young. I love them that love me and they that seek me early. Wisdom will bless in Proverbs chapter 8. So remember, now thy Creator. What we're about to have here is an anatomical description of the human anatomy from a man's perspective as it decays with age. And the warning is, this is what's coming. All that cometh is vanity. The days of darkness are many. So rejoice in your youth. Truly, the light is sweet. Do you enjoy the sweetness and thank the Creator of it? The very fact that you can enjoy it and that you have the sight to see it is something you should thank the Creator for. Because you're a creature. Remember now thy Creator. Every good thing that you enjoy. In in marriage, in a job, in learning, in uh, taking a walk in the woods. As we just sang in Mountain Grandeur and Forest Glades. The beauty that we see everywhere, God created it all and He ought to be remembered. We get too wrapped up in the creature. And do you know what God does to those who get wrapped up in the creature according to Romans chapter 1? He rewires their brains so that they end up doing things that are not convenient. And one of those inconvenient things is sodomy. Another inconvenient thing is disobedience to parents. And it's the breakdown of an enjoyable, peaceful life because they remembered the creature more than the Creator. Neither were they thankful. We of all people want to be thankful. We want to bless God for every single thing that we partake of. When you eat a piece of bacon, do you thank the Lord that He's able to jam-pack so much flavor into one little tiny strip of meat? Isn't it the most incredible substance? A little piece of bacon has more flavor per gram than anything else you can eat. The smell of it in the air. When you're lying in bed, I remember this as a child, (coughs) especially in Pennsylvania, in Grandpa's house, to smell that bacon wafting all the way through the house. And you know, it's decomposing in the heat. It's decomposing and it's giving off scent and it's arising through the house and it lands on my olfactory nerves. Wow, it's a good smell. Some of you think the same thing about coffee. I haven't learned that one yet. If you can find a verse for me, maybe I can learn that one about coffee. But those things that the Lord gives us, are you thankful for them? When you're chewing down a piece of bacon and it's just about as much flavor as you can put in your, in your mouth in such a small thing, do you thank Him? For the sunshine, for the light, for your eyes, for your health, strength, walking, driving, cars, houses, every good thing that we enjoy. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not. 
Those evil days are not sinful days. Those evil days are dark and troublesome days. Well, they don't come. When you're young, listen, what's the biggest problem you have when you're young? Which fun do I choose for, from this, for this afternoon? What kind of a car do I drive? What's your biggest problem? It's small compared to what they're going to be. And so before those come, remember your Creator when there's a temptation to forget Him because there's so much goodness jam-packed into your life without those evil days coming. Nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. The day is coming when we're not going to have as much pleasure. It just makes me want to use today. Do these verses get a hold of you? I know I'm not in my youth, but I'm not as old as I could be. So I'm, so I'm younger than I might be. So I want to remember my Creator in the days of my youth as well as I can. Life is short. We want to maximize it before those evil days come. What a terrible dilemma when we say, I have no pleasure in them. Your children fix you something good to eat. You put it in your mouth and all you, can, all you know is that there's something in there, but you can't really draw the flavor out. They take you to a concert to hear the Messiah. You've loved the Messiah all your life. And now it's really just a bunch of noise. Because you can't discern all the different musical parts anymore. You can't pick out all the different instruments anymore. We're about to read all this. You can't detect colors anymore. You hand an older man a white sock and a black sock and he says, aren't they both gray? You lose your ability. You're thankful for colors, but that ability to discern them starts to go away. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Now we come into some figurative language, and it's some pretty powerful figurative language. In verse 2, it's the general language of a good life versus a bad life. Peace versus trouble. Happiness versus sadness. Prosperity versus pain. And you can go through the book of Isaiah, Amos, and other places and find that when the sun isn't shining or the moon isn't shining or the stars aren't giving their light, it's not to be understood literally. It's to be understood figuratively that good things have disappeared. It's a bad time. Dark, darkness is now covering you. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened. It's still describing youth. So when it says, while these heavenly bodies are not darkened, that's youth. Because bad things, trouble, hasn't come into your life like it's going to. Nor the clouds return after the rain. You have a rainy day, and you can't wait for the rainy day to get over with so you can go out and go to work. And this was especially true in an agrarian society. You wanted some rain, but then you wanted the rain to end so that you could go out to work. But there's days coming in which the rain's going to come, and it's going to look like the rain is ending, and then the clouds are going to return, and you're going to have another rainstorm. You're going to go from one ailment to another. While that doesn't happen, you're young. When those things aren't happening, you want to use your energy for the glory of God. You want to maximize your marriage. You want to maximize your soul relationship with God. Before it's harder, harder to think, harder to memorize Scripture, harder to read and meditate, harder to be thankful. There's fewer things to be thankful for. Remember now, thy Creator, in the days of thy youth, while these things don't happen, while the evil days come not, 
While the years don't draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened. While you're young and the clouds don't return after the rain. You know, we hurt ourselves. A child hurts himself, cries for two minutes. You put a band-aid on it and they're right back out there playing on the same playground equipment or in a tree or riding a bicycle that caused it in the first place. But there's a day coming in which these ailments are going to take us and they're going to follow one after another. There's paramedics in here and there are nursing students of various degrees that understand a little bit about anatomy. And it was a pleasure having devotions last night with my small family and having a person there that has been through numerous anatomy courses and paramedic courses, EMT courses, that understands this. You're going to appreciate this more maybe than anyone else. And I am thankful for a member of this assembly of our youth group who has volunteered, and I want that person to remember about them volunteering, to organize a trip for our young people to an old folks' home in the very near future to sing and to encourage them and to take them some flowers. Because we want to show them some kindness, and I want our young people to remember Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And those of you who have gone to an old folks' home, and you've changed beds for old people, and you've helped clean them up, it's a great, wonderful lesson for you, and it has spiritual value if you can see it in the light of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. If we are to maximize our lives under the sun... Before those evil days come and you're in a bed in a retirement home or an old folks home or a hospice, which is really close to death, you want to maximize your life and give God the glory for it and let God answer you in the joy of your heart by enjoying and appreciating and being thankful for everything He's given you. And you want to remember Him in the vitality of your youth when you have the strength to be a better servant for Him. But do you know what the truth is about most young people? They don't think about the God of heaven. They don't read the Bible as much as they should. They don't read the Bible as attentively as they should. And they give away the most important years of their life to what? Jesting, joking, foolish talking, playing, partying, fun. Fun. What is fun? I've never seen anybody having fun have fun after the event that they were having fun at ends. But Christian joy lasts forever. Amusement only lasts as long as you're on the ride. Then you've got to stand for two hours in the hot asphalt to get on the ride again. And they call that fun. That's just because everyone else was doing it. Do you know what you can do with an amusement park? If it was only adults there, they'd never go. But as long as it's a bunch... Let us not go there. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Because these are the, this is what's coming. And so Solomon's lesson from verses 7 through 10 of chapter 11, he's going to expand upon. All that cometh is vanity. Those words, it's a sentence by itself at the end of verse 8 of chapter 11. What does he mean? How bad is it? All that cometh is vanity. And he's about to tell you in graphic detail using figures of speech. His figures of speech in verse 2 are the sun, the light, the moon, the stars, the things that give us our light and pleasure by day and by night, that rule the day and the night, they go dark. And the good things that we counted on can no longer be counted on because they disappear. 
and the rain just keeps coming. Instead of having sunny days after the rain, we want the combination. It's just one rainy day after another, and the clouds just keep coming back. Now he's going to describe in anatomical detail, that means using the human anatomy part by part about the decay of sin and vanity upon the human existence. Verse 3, Ecclesiastes 12.3, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before these things happen. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble. In the Bible, what is your house? Your body. Your body is your house. Paul said we have a house. made in. We have one in heaven, we have one on earth. It's also called our tabernacle, but that's more like a tent. But it's a place where we live. Your soul and your spirit lives in your body. This body is your house. The keepers of the house tremble. What parts of your... We're talking about body parts. What parts of your body keep your house from top to bottom? They comb your... Your hands. They keep your, they comb your hair, they cut your toenails, and they do everything in between. They put the food in your mouth, they, they use a Q-tip in your ears, they do everything. They're the keeper. If you're in a hole, they pull you out. If you're climbing a tree, they lift you up. It's your hands. If you're in a fight, it's your hands. If you, if you have a shovel and you've got to work, they keep you. They protect you. They help you. They guide you in the dark. They take the banister to help you up and down stairs. The keepers of the house. And what starts to tremble as you get old? Your hand starts to tremble. The keepers of the house start to tremble. You watch an old man write a check or try to sign his name, and it's just so shaky because this steady hand that could once cut jewelry and could write fine penmanship and could do many things in fine craftsmen, as a fine craftsman, starts to tremble. The keepers of the house. He can't comb his hair. He just spreads it all over the place when he sticks a comb in it. And Solomon here, in graphic language and figurative speech, is showing us the decay of the body, because if you put all of your life and stock into the body, and all, everything into this life, it's all vain. You need to remember your Creator. It's the balance that we want to have. We want to remember our Creator to keep evil away from our flesh. We want to remember our Creator to keep sorrow from our heart. Because we want to enjoy the days that we have when we're young. And we want to keep away from sin so that when we stand in the day of judgment, we can give a good account for our lives. So he's going to take a few verses and run through the different body parts. And show us the decay of why a man would say, I have no pleasure in living anymore. Why you would ever say that? Because a youth doesn't think that way, or he shouldn't. If a youth thinks that way, they're really messed up upstairs. They've got, they're already rewired wrong. Because your whole life is nothing but ease. What in the world are you complaining about? You don't even have problems or responsibilities yet. You aren't dependent on your job. You're going to your job half for fun. Don't think that you've got a burdensome life when you're young. It isn't. The ease that you have and the liberty that you have and the, and the strength that you have is a warning that we want to give God those times in our lives. And you young people, hear it now. Just think what you can be for the Lord. Just think if you were to start now at your younger age, you won't have the years to confess and repent of before the Lord that many of us will have. Don't waste a day. Don't waste an hour. 
Let's use today for the Lord's sake. In the day, because the day is coming, they're called the, the days, the evil days. The Lord wants you to remember Him in the days of your youth before these things happen. Because these are the evil days that happen in old age. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves. Now it's strong men, so it's plural, and it's one body that we're talking about. The keepers of the house. We're talking about one human body. It's got two keepers, and it's got strong men, plural. What's the, those of you that have taken anatomy, what's, what are the strongest muscles in the human body? Legs. The legs bow themselves. Do you know what? A man that can squat 500 pounds when he's 20 years old in a gym or jump on a leg sled and press 800 pounds with his legs, he won't even be able to keep his body standing up straight. The strong men are bowed over. The strong men shall bow themselves. That is where your, your leg pressing ability is going. And so how much stock should you put into what you can leg press? What does the Bible say about those that delight in the legs of a man? What does the Lord delight in? There's, a, there's an answer. You know, the, the world delights in the legs of a man. But the Lord delights in them that fear Him. And you can fear the Lord no matter how weak or strong your legs are. But this is where they're all going. To think that you could jump into a leg sled at Clemson University and the guys there can drive 1,200 pounds in a leg sled. There's, a, there's advantages of leverage. Don't worry about it. There's simple machines called, don't worry. But they can, you know, they can drive enormous amounts of weight with their legs. They have thighs bigger than your waist and their waist as small as your thigh. They, they have incredible bodies that they've trained and fed. But the day is coming in which those legs will not even hold them up straight. They can power their way through a line when men are trying to tackle them. But though that's all going away. All is vanity. What did Solomon say in that little sentence? All that cometh is vanity, young man. All that cometh is vanity. Therefore, be thankful for what you have when you're young. Keep yourself from evil in your flesh. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before these days come. When you'll need a walker to help get around because the strong men shall bow themselves. And the grinders cease because they are few. What do you have that's plural in your body that grinds? Your teeth. And so your teeth start to fall out. The grinders cease because they are few. You have fewer teeth than when you started in your youth. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before these kind of days come when you say, I have no pleasure in them. When your teeth fall out and you can't grind, what is your menu made up of? Soup, mush, applesauce, mashed potatoes. Lay some other on me, you that have been around old folks' homes. Baby food, jello. Mmm, good. No bacon? I can't chew down a piece of bacon. Pureed bacon. The Lord chose to give us this part-by-part decay of the human body. The Lord Jesus Christ never saw corruption, and He's in heaven, and He's going to glorify every one of our bodies. We, get to, we go through this process, we get put in the ground, because just like a 12-foot corn plant, 
that may have two ears on it with 800 kernels per ear, that beautiful corn plant that's very solid and strong, it can only grow if you take a seed and bury it in the ground. And we will get buried in the ground so that we can get a plant or a new body in heaven that this will never happen to. That's the message of the gospel. That is the glory of the resurrection. That is 1 Corinthians 15, and thank you, Lord, for it. But in the meantime, these are not the golden years. These are the shaking hands, bowed legs, and few teeth years. And you want to remember your Creator before they come. And you young people say, well, I'm so far from any of that happening to me. That's why he put the word now in there. Remember now, now thy Creator, in the days of thy youth, before these days come. The grinders cease because they are few. And those that look out of the windows be darkened. Is those singular or plural? Plural. Those that look out of the windows. What are the windows of the human soul? What are the windows of a human body? The eyes. Those that look out. The two eyes that look out are darkened. You can't see as well. Your vision is dull. Your eyes are dull. You can't discern color. You can't discern details. You go from 2020 to 4040, to 8080, to 200, 200, to a cane, to a dog, to can't see anything. The eyes fail. You can't read. Someone has to read to you. Before there was Alexander Scorby, you had limited opportunities to have the Bible. When you're young, you can read. You can read easily. You can read voraciously. You can remember what you read. Your comprehension is high. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. This is a combo statement. We need both parts to be able to figure out the first half. When the sound of the grinding is low... What is that referring to? We've already been over it. It's the loss of teeth. You're losing your teeth. When you've lost your teeth, what, how, what doors get closed in the streets? The lips close on your mouth. The lips by the Holy Spirit are called, called the doors of your mouth in other places in the Bible. Do you have streets, plural, that go through your mouth? Is there a, a digestive street? Do you take food in and it goes down the street into your stomach? And when you're sick, it comes back up the same street? Is it a respiratory street? Do you take in air through this street and it goes in and you exhale air out that same street? The streets are plural. But the the doors are plural, shall be shut in the streets. What happens when a person loses their teeth when the grinding is low? They lose their teeth, and if they don't have dentures, what happens to their mouth? Their lips flop together and flop inward. For those of you that have been to an old folks' home, that have seen the dentures out of a, out of a grandparent or an old person, the doors are flapped shut because they're not held apart by your teeth. You've all seen it. Children have asked what happened to grandpa's or grandma's mouth when they had their dentures out. Because it flops in and closes. Solomon was pretty creative, wasn't he? And he wants to get our attention, doesn't he? That we're, that we're going we're gonna to fall apart. So, young man, rejoice now in the days of thy youth. Don't let any sin in your flesh, because you're going to give an account for it, 
but remember Him now while you're young and full of vitality and strength, rather than waiting until you're old. David was a man after God's own heart while he was still so young that his brothers and father didn't even think of him when it came time to anoint the next king. Samuel worshipped God when he was lent to the Lord as a young boy by his mother Hannah. Timothy was a young man that had a reputation that when Paul got to Derby and Lystra, he already knew about a young man named Timothy because he had a reputation of following the faith of his mother and his grandmother. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. When are you going to get serious about God? Everything in your life is going to get burned up and you yourself are going to fall apart. Why not give him the best years of your life? The doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. And he, we're talking about one person again, shall rise up at the voice of the bird. There's the old man rising up at the voice of the bird. Old people don't sleep as well. You know, you can put one of the young men in this church in bed at 9 o'clock at night, and if you didn't wake him up, they'd be there at 12 the next day. They can sleep soundly all night long. The problem with young men is they like to sleep too much. That's why the warnings are in Proverbs chapter 6 and Proverbs chapter 24 about it's too much sleep. Love not sleep lest thou come to poverty. Young people don't have a problem. They can just fall down and sleep. They can sleep through almost any noise and they can just keep on sleeping. But he shall rise up at the sound of the bird. The littlest noises in the morning wake them up. They don't sleep as soundly as they once did. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. What does that mean? What, what body part have we not dealt with yet? The ears. The hearing goes. So that you can't hear as well, huh? What'd you say? You know, then there's hearing aids and you need people to speak louder because they can't hear. The Lord takes away all those pleasures. When you're young, you can explore everything. An audio room. What's an old person going to do in an audio room? They can't discern all those little differences in the different parts of a, of, mel, of, a, of a melody and of a song and the composition of a song. They can't discern it all. They can't hear the different instruments coming in. It turns more into just a general noise. And the smells and the taste and all the things that are covered here as the body parts decay. The Lord wants to get your attention. Don't put your stock in the pleasures of youth because they're all going away. And if you want to be wise and really maximize your life, Remember your Creator when you're young. Give Him the best time of part of your life. Then when you're old and you give an account to Him, you will have covered yourself by living wisely when you were young. If you wait till then, it's too late. If you wait till you're old, it's too late. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high. What happens? Fear of heights. Vertigo problems, balance. They need canes. They need walkers. They want to be holding on to something. Their steps shorten from three feet to three inches until they're walking like this and we're not making fun of it. Every one of us, if God is merciful, will end up in the same place because they're afraid of heights. They don't want to fly. Flying is the best form of transportation there is. It's the fastest way to get someplace if you need to get there, but they're afraid of flying. They're afraid of ladders. Older people like me don't want to get up on ladders very high. You don't want to get up on top of your deck 
lattice work, or you might fall off your ladder. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, they want to stay at home. I just don't really want to go out. I just don't really want to go anywhere. Do we have to go there? Because they're insecure. They know they can't walk as well. They can't defend as well. They can't hear as well. The confusion and the noise and the speed of things happening around them makes them insecure. Any one of you who have taken a course on aging in a nursing program or who have been to an old folks home, you know that all of these are very, very, very true. And that the wise man, by the inspiration of God, gave us a great picture of the decay of life. And the reason this is all here, and the reason he is going through all these body parts, is that while you're young, you should be using and appreciating and giving God thanks for every one of them, because they're going away, and the days that they're gone could be many. And that is why I exhorted all that I did in the first assembly about enjoying every part of your life, enjoying being pregnant. There's a day coming when you can't be. Enjoy nursing your babies. Enjoy having your children around because they go away. Enjoy being able to go to work because you've got the strength to do so. Enjoy a good meal because you can taste it. Enjoy a beautiful sunset because you can see it. Enjoy being able to take a piece of steak and chew it because you've got the teeth to be able to do it. All those are blessings from God to be enjoyed. And He wants youth to give Him their best before these days come. They'll be afraid of that which is high. Fears shall be in the way. The almond tree shall flourish. The almond tree, the singular tree of a man's head. It, what are the words used in the Bible for its color? It's, it's, called, it's called gray. It's called white. It's called hoary. And hoary is like frost or snow. It turns white like the almond tree does. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. There's a part in a man's anatomy and a part in his life that was like a grasshopper when he was young. It jumped up all the time and was able to jump up with ease. And it becomes a burden. It becomes something he can't do. It's limited. Anybody who's taken any nursing courses or any biologic courses know about ED. The most popular drugs in the market today that are advertised the most are about it. Listen, I'm so sick of reading commentators. Do you want to hear? I'm going to give you the commentators. All the, com- the commentators that I know have two options for the grasshopper in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Number one, the grasshopper shall become a burden. That means an old man is so weak that when a grasshopper jumps out of the field and lands on his shoulder, it's too much for him to carry. Every single one I've got, they don't know what they're talking about. Listen, if Solomon wrote this passage and didn't mention ED, then it's not reading, it's not worth reading the passage. Because it's one of the things that bothers a man the most in his old age. Why would you not mention it? First, first one is that the grasshopper jumps up on his shoulder and he's too weak to bear it. Two, that because he gets old and the skin is not as firm and the muscles aren't as firm, the way his bones stick out of his skin, he looks like a grasshopper. But it says the grasshopper shall become a burden. It doesn't say a grasshopper shall be a burden. It says the grasshopper shall be a burden. That's ED, erectile dysfunction. Every man worries about it as he gets older. Every man doesn't like it. It's a total change from when he was young. It's something he wishes didn't happen. It's something his wife may wish didn't happen. And it's something that drug companies like Pfizer are able to sell drugs for, like Viagra, very successfully. 
And the other reason we believe this is because the very next phrase is, and desire shall fail. The desire that was once rampant in a young man, which is why marriages occur, for a woman, the desire fails. It stops. It ends. It dries up until it's not there anymore. You know, Solomon, these these men who try to comment write commentaries on Ecclesiastes chapter 12, haven't they read the rest of what Solomon wrote about? You know, Solomon was pretty plain about enjoying life. Solomon was pretty plain about body parts in the book of Song of Solomon. In the book of Song of Solomon, he talks about breast size in chapter 8, and he gets pretty specific and plain about it. And why wouldn't he write here? I don't want to be crude, crass, or, or profane with the Bible, but I'm telling you, if this isn't in the list, then the list is very inadequate. There is something that jumps up in youth and that doesn't jump up in old age. And the fact that it doesn't jump up like it used to jump up in youth becomes a burden. And desire shall fail. Okay, this long list. From the keepers of the house hands in verse 3, all the way down to desire failing and ending with a colon in the last part of verse 5, leads up to this. Because man goeth to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. Do you know what your long home is? It's not the home you live in now. It's not the home you're going to live in with your spouse. Your long home is the grave. Because that's where you're going to be the longest. Except for something that Solomon doesn't tell us about. And that's eternity. That's why I said earlier, you're going to be under the ground longer than you walk on the ground. But you're going to be above the sun longer than than you're under the ground. Because eternity is a whole lot longer than you're going to be in the grave. But you're going to be in the grave longer than you lived on earth unless Jesus Christ comes soon. Which we hope He does. And we pray He does. That's man going to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. When do mourners go about the streets? At a funeral. Every, Every now and then when you're out driving, do you see a hearse come by and cars behind it with all their lights on? Because the mourners are following that hearse to the cemetery where they're going to put another body underground in its long home. But that's only your house going there. Your spirit returns to God, which He's already taught us in chapter 3 and verses verses 19 through 21. And here He's about to teach us and remind us of that again, that it returns to its Creator. In verse 6, we have four expressions of death. Or, another way of describing going to your long home, or another way of describing a funeral procession with mourners, or, ever the silver cord be loosed. Do you have a cord in your body that's connected? And when it no longer is transmitting information from your brain through that cord, you're dead? You have a spinal column that is a silver cord, is loosed from your brain, and there's no more connection being made. Or the golden bowl is broken. Do you have something in your body that's like a bowl, and we can call it a golden bowl because it holds a very important part of you? Your cranium holds your brain, and you are called brain dead When this thing stops having activity in it, the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain. Do you have a fountain inside of you that you hope that pitcher keeps pouring every second of every day? It's your heart. The pitcher is broken at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. A restatement of the same thing. A cistern is a container that holds water and a water wheel is constantly moving that water. You have a heart that beats approximately 70 times a minute, 60 minutes an hour, 24 hours a day for the duration of your life. 
But when it stops pumping, when the pitcher is broken at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern, you're dead. And that's what it's been leading up to. That's because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever these other descriptions of light of death take place. Then, at that point, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. God formed us out of the dust and breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. But the body without the spirit is dead. James chapter 2 tells us that. It's the spirit inside this that animates it. It's really pretty neat. You got to see your grandma's house. But your grandma's in heaven. Because we're three-part beings. And guess what? The Lord Jesus Christ died for all three parts. Your grandma's body is going to be taken care of by Jesus Christ and glorified. It will be raised out of the grave. Do you know what cemeteries are going to look like when he gets done? When he pulls all those bodies up out of the grave and puts them back together, body, soul, and spirit in heaven, but then glorifies them. So we have a whole new body. It's wonderful. The body without the spirit is dead. It's the spirit inside this thing that animates it. You pull this out. You pull my spirit out. My spirit just leaves me at the moment of death and goes to return to its maker. This body goes back to dust very fast. Because that animating principle isn't inside it. It's not the heart that keeps your body alive. It's not the brain that keeps the body alive. It's the spirit. And when God pulls that spirit out, the spirit of an animal goes down. The spirit of a person goes up to, back to its creator. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. That is your life. That is your life right there. You did not ask for a body to be formed from dust, which eventually came through your parents, and a Spirit put into it that grew up to have your name. For the first couple of years of your life, you didn't even know who you were. You didn't even know you had life. You didn't even know you had existence. You didn't ask for it, and God didn't ask for your approval. God put together a human body and put a spirit in it that is yours, unique spirit. But then all this happens to the body, and eventually your spirit leaves and goes to God, and your body goes back into the dust that it was made from. Do you know what the wise man concludes with? Vanity of vanities. Human life is the extreme vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. If you just look at what happens to a human life, that it came in without it seeking its existence, and it goes out without it seeking death, and God is totally in control of it, if it puts its stock in this life only, and if it misses the fact that it is a creature of the Almighty God of Heaven, if it worries about what it's going to have in the day of its death, it is the vainest, vainest existence. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. The wise man wants to communicate to us what he began with and what he ends with. The expression vanity of vanities is twice in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the first three verses and it's in this last verse before he explains what he did about this. What we're going to look at in the final lesson next Sunday in this chapter is what did Solomon do in light of the vanity of human existence? He taught much wisdom through Proverbs. And then he gives us a conclusion of how we ought to live. And he's given that conclusion all the way through. And we've tried to cover that today because as he got to the end, he boiled it down to some simple lessons. Life is short. 
Therefore, use everything God's given you. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Remember thy Creator now in the days of thy youth. Bless God and thank Him. Let Him answer you in the joy of your heart. Eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. Let your garments be always white. Rejoice with thy wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with thy might. So he tells us these things. Therefore put sorrow away from your heart and put evil away from your flesh. So that in the day of judgment we can give a good account of our lives to God. And start now. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We get to leave this place in a few minutes, and we go out about our lives. We get to go to our homes. We get to see our spouses. We get to talk to them. We, We see our children, grandchildren, parents, grandparents. We have a choice in how we're to live. And the Bible's told us here very plainly and very simply maximize every day that you've got because life is short and evil days are coming when they will not be as good. Not only do we waste our lives that could have been a great source of joy and pleasure to us by being discontent or frustrated in our present condition, but we will give an account to God for having wasted those days. Second, we want to make sure that we don't sin the rest of this day. Do not sin in the rest of this day because you're going to have to give an account to God for it when we stand before Him. Let us use the things He's given us. Let us rejoice in them. Let us have merry hearts. Let us follow our hearts to the best of our ability. Let's remember our Creator in the days of our youth before these evil days come. And when the evil days come, we just turn to the New Testament. Or we turn to Job chapter 19. Or we turn to places where Job would say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And though after my flesh, worms destroy this, after my skin, worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh, I shall see God, and there'll be my eyes and not another's. He knew that. We need to believe that, because that's the hope of the gospel. That's the blessed hope of the believer, that this decay of our bodies is the consequence of sin. It's something to be warned to youth about, so that they give him their best while they're young, And so that we all enjoy our lives and appreciate them while we can. But that we get ready to stand before Him and to give a good account. And that no matter what happens to our bodies, we are ready to go into that other world. We are ready to depart this world and to be present with the Lord. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. While the mourners are going about the streets... And while our body is being put in its long home, our spirit is immediately with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, you know what Paul said about that? Far better. Amen. And may we lay hold of that with all our might, Amen. because that is what keeps the believer. And it's with those words we're to comfort one another, in addition to what we've learned from the book of Ecclesiastes. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word. Amen.